Saturday. CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 9.30 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Welcome to Options Action. I'm Brian Sullivan, in for Melissa Lee. Here's what's coming up. Outside of the COVID vaccine winners, a good chunk of the rest of the healthcare sector is on life support. But we'll deliver a second opinion as to why this patient will pull through. Then, sticking with the contrarian theme, rising COVID cases won't ground all airlines. Why and how your flight crew is still preparing for takeoff. And finally, the singular compelling stat on the financial sector and the best way for you to try and cash in. It's time to risk less and make more. Options Action starts right now. All right, welcome or welcome back, everybody. So you can see we got a big half hour ahead, followed by, by the way, a very special 6 p.m. hour. Jim is off tonight. You'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Trust us. All right, let's jump right in and talk a little health care. While Moderna hitting new highs this week, not so the rest of healthcare stocks. They have been, as, as Kramer might say, suboptimal. But Carter Worth thinks the prognosis is so bad, it might be good. Carter Worth, please explain. Sure. So as a state from healthcare, the focus here is going to be on biotech. And, and what we know is that there's been real bifurcation or divergence within many of the names. But if one looks at some of the ETFs, uh, one in particular is an instance of so bad it's good. Let's look at a few charts. First, a table. What we know is that the total number of stocks in the spiders ETF that captures biotech, 195, and you see there $1.3 trillion. Now I've got two comparative charts and then three absolute. So look at the first comparative chart. Two lines. One is the spider versus the iShares, right? And so this is sort of the interesting divergence between a market cap weighted ETF and an equal weighted ETF for all intents and purposes. And the spread now year to date is about 2,500 basis points, and you can see that there. But look at the next chart. So here are the two ETFs again. The high flyer was actually the equal weighted uh, ETF that then mm. has sort of crashed back to earth. And this then is the opportunity. Now look at the next three charts. This is the XBI, and you see here the drawdown that I've annotated uh, down some 30%. Now look at the next chart. That 30% sell-off is exactly a 50% retracement from the pandemic low. You can see the, the Fibonacci lines there. And then the final chart, just drawing the line of support, meaning a 30% sell-off, a 50% retracement of a move off a pandemic low, right to a level where it keeps holding. And so as distinct from the IBB, which is uh, fine, we think the XBI is a circumstance of so bad it's good, and that it has a bounce potential here, having sold off to support. 
Okay, bounce potential there on the XBI. Carter, thank you very much. Mike, do you agree? What, if anything, might be the trade here? Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things I do like about this is that when we compare sort of the cap-weighted ETFs and indices to the equal weight ones, one of the things, if you're going to get long the equal weight and short or not long the, the cap-weighted one, is essentially if you feel that some of the best-performing stocks in a given space have essentially outperformed, and maybe that outperformance might be coming to an end, but you still want exposure to the space, equal weight is likely the way to go. So I was taking a look out to October, specifically the 130-145 call spreads in XBI, and when I was looking at that, that would cost about $3.95. Viewers will know that we typically, when we're trying to buy these vertical spreads, are looking to spend somewhere in the neighborhood of about 25% of the distance between the strikes, maybe getting 25 to 30% or so of the long premium on the option that we're selling. That short option, of course, is going to help mitigate the effects of decay. And when you have more volatile sectors, that's when you're going to see more uh, pricey options. I'm not going to call them expensive because oftentimes those higher prices are justified, but you will see more decay, and this is a way to mitigate that. Another thing about using a call spread, of course, is that if that support fails and it does fall back towards those pandemic lows, I'm not suggesting that that's going to happen, but of course a lot of the concern that we've seen over the course of the last week or so has been exactly that. Are we going to see essentially economic hardships as a result of, say, the Delta variant and so on? So this is a way that you can risk a relatively small percentage, less than 4% of the XBI share price to get exposure to the upside. Now another quick and important point XBI was down a little over two bucks today. So at one point today, it was around 129 and a half or very close to that 130 strike call that we're buying. I think at the close, it was closer to 127 and a half. So on Monday, not knowing exactly where it's going to open, an important point, keep your strikes essentially very close, I think, to at the money on the long side if you can and adjust them accordingly as the share price moves. But you're still looking to keep those proportions about the same. Okay, Tony, what do you think? You like the trade? You want to hammer Mike's trade here? What's your take on this? Yeah, so I think this is an interesting opportunity because despite the poor relative performance of the equal weight index versus the market cap index, the 120 level here on XBI, I think, is the important support and resistance level that has held since July of last year. And so far, it's held twice again here this over the past couple of months. And it looks like it's about to bounce higher here. But I do think that the upside target here is somewhat limited to about that 140 level. And especially when you look at XBI, it's difficult to look at this, this ETF. It's 196 holdings with across an equal weight. It's hard to get a grasp across 196 companies. So you really have to look at the technicals. As to Mike's trade, I think the debit spread structure is the right structure for this to limit your losses. As Mike said, he's risking only about 3.1% of the ETF's value to take this bullish bet. I do think that the upside is a little more limited, so I would simply adjust the upper strike to about the 140 level and simply risk actually a little bit less on this particular trade. But that's just a minor adjustment based on my target. Okay, minor tweak there on Mike's trade. Interesting stuff. All right, let's switch gears a bit. And we'll stay with Tony. He thinks that all's well that ends well at Wells Fargo. Explain that, Tony, because Wells Fargo, you know, for years was kind of a disaster. Yeah, that's exact, exactly right. But they've really turned things around here this year. And we saw a lot of strength here from financials earlier today on the jobs report. And I simply think there's further upside going from here. 
If you look at the chart here of Wealth, Wells Fargo first, what you see is that today we broke out here after uh, spending about the last two months in a range between 42 and 47. And more importantly, not only did we break out from this range on an absolute basis, we also broke out on a relative basis to financials. So this is a strong setup here for this current breakout that I see where I do think it's constructive for a continuation higher. And then if you look at the business itself, Wells Fargo has turned around. Its strong relative performance this year to its sector really shows it's outperformed XLF throughout the whole year. We've seen this recent outperformance here today. And recently, they've just raised their dividends. And I think that they're well positioned to potentially return more capital back to investors through shared buybacks. So this is really something that I think is fairly constructive on both the technical and fundamental side. Now, I'm going to use a trade structure similar to Mike's trade structure on XBI, but I'm going to use an in-the-money debit spread. And I'm going out to October, and I'm buying the 47.5-52.5 call spread. And I'm doing this because the stock is trading at all-time, at near uh, relative highs. So we want to make sure that we want to protect ourselves against some uh, a potential pullback here. So I'm going to use an in-the-money debit spread, spending about $2.15 for the $5 wide debit, uh, debit spread. And this is going to be a little bit more conservative because the stock only has to move about 2% higher in order for this strategy to be profitable. And there's relatively small amount of time decay versus an out-of-money debit spread in this particular case. All right, Mike, we gave Tony a chance to comment on your trade. Let's flip the script. Comment on Tony's trade. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I like getting long Wells Fargo here. I mean, it trades at a, a very big discount to the group, probably about 1.2 times uh, tangible book value relative to about 1.6% uh, for the group overall. And, of course, a lot of that's justified because after, the, uh, after the, basically the controversy around their sales practices and Fed restrictions on balance sheet size, which could be lifted, obviously that has hampered the company somewhat. But, of course, they were untouched by some of the more recent controversies like the Archegos matter. And, of course, we could see those restrictions lifted. I think that would actually be the propellant that caused the stock to actually begin to catch up to the rest of its peers, which in turn would suggest that it might have as much as 25 or 30 percent upside in my view. But, of course, in this particular case, that's not likely to happen before October expiration, which is when Tony's trade expires. So I think a call spread actually is a good way to play it. Thereafter, though, knowing that eventually they're going to probably get that propellant that the company needs to start catching up with the group, you probably are just going to want to be outright long the stock, perhaps, or outright long calls. But I think for now, this is the right structure. Okay, interesting trade there on Wells Fargo. Guys, thank you all very much. All right, we are a long way from being done yet. For everything Options Action, of course, always check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com, like we still got to tell you. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. In the meantime, here's what's coming up next. With new COVID cases expected to peak in the fall, you might think the airlines could be in for more headwinds. But like most turbulence, there's usually a way around it. We'll look at not one, but two flight paths for your portfolio. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. 
Saturday. CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 9.30 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC. All right, welcome back to Options Action. Hope you're having a great Friday wherever you are. All right, a few weeks ago, Tony kicked off a love fest. This is an airline that actually has not been performing particularly well here over the past couple of months, and I think that is actually our opportunity here. If we first take a look at the chart of LUV relative to the JETS ETF, the Global Airlines ETF, you see that it's been underperforming pretty much since April. But if we zoom out a little further, we see that it's just touching its major bullish trend line here. So this is the opportunity that I see for a potential bounce on Southwest Southwest Airlines to start outperforming the airline industry. I'm going out to the July 30th weekly options, September 52 and a half, 56 call diagonal here, where I'm spending about $3 to purchase the September 52 and a half calls, and I'm selling the June, uh, the July 30th uh, six, uh, 56 calls against that for about 60 cents. All right, it wasn't that long ago, but since that time, Tony, Love Shares Southwest are pretty much flat. A lot of new COVID headlines out there, by the way. What do you do now? What are you recommending? Yeah, that's exactly right. But the overall thesis on both the technicals and the fundamentals still uh, are in, in favor, in my opinion. So the, the August, uh, I'm sorry, the July 30th, 56 calls have expired worthless. Right now, the investor would be along the September 52 and a half calls. Well, one of the ways I was looking to buy a little bit more time is to sell a September 50, 55 strangle here. By selling the September 50 puts, collecting about $2, and then selling the September 55 calls for about $0.80, I'm going to bring in here about $2.80, which would bring the total trade down to a net credit of about $0.25. So this strategy does require me to uh, to buy more shares of of, uh, Southwest if it goes below $50 by the September expiration, which I'm comfortable doing based on the technical levels. Uh, But at the same time, if the stock stays between 50 and 52 and a half, I'll see a small gain. If it rallies from 52.5 to 55, I'll, I'll make up to $2.5 on this particular trade. And if it exceeds that $55 upper strike, that's when I can start rolling my call spread to a higher strike and start participating on further upside. But this allows me to buy myself a little bit more time between now and September for this stock to potentially rally. Okay, Tony, thank you very much. So if you were a little bit late to that love trade, Carter Worth has a, let's call it, second flight path on the airlines for you to follow. Let's talk about the Jets ETF, Carter. What is on your charts? Well, that's right. So uh, it's uh, in its instance of so bad, it's good. And let's just uh, look at the charts directly. First, we know that the ETF, it's 51 stocks. It's all the big airlines, you know, plus ones you don't know. Uh, $850 billion in market cap. You can see it there on that table. But uh, three charts. The first while it's a very wide-ranging channel, Jets ETF has behaved perfectly within the parameters of the channel. And you can see where the annotations are, the lines, the upper and lower band, and the arrows. And this sell-off um, is literally uh, leaving the ETF at a level where it has bounced before, and we think it will bounce again. 
Next chart is the same chart, just taken back. Same annotations, but five years. And so the question is, is this weakness to take advantage of or weakness to stay away from? What's important is that we didn't make a new incremental low in the ETF versus where we were three weeks ago. And that is an encouraging technical development. The final chart, it's the same chart on a five-year basis just to show where the back-off, the sell-off occurred, meaning we have one of the most epic runs off the pandemic low of any area of the market, naturally, because it was the most beaten up airlines, nobody travels. And then it hits its head when it gets back to overhead supply. You can see the parallel lines there. But this, again, 30% sell-off is at the point where I think you can trade it on the long side, J-E-T-S, Jets. Gee, that might be the only time this year. By the way, Carter, that we hear that. Uh, no offense to all the Jets fans out there. Sorry. All right. So if you are on board, so to speak, on this trade, Mike, how do we trade the Jets, the, the trade, not the football team? Yeah, I mean, so one of the things, obviously, about getting long the airlines, the long, long the Jets ETF or LUV, for example, if you're looking at a single name, one of the things we've certainly seen is that when we get more bad news, we are getting some fairly steep drawdowns. And, of course, the whole idea here is that the news that we're going to get all clear is probably going to cause basically the prices to elevate relatively slowly. If we get bad news on the COVID front, for example, and we start to see some slowdowns in travel, we could see some further weakness, and that could be quite sharp. So we don't want to necessarily go out and take naked risk to the downside. So we do want to own call options, I think, to get our exposure um, for a rally back, as Carter has suggested. The problem, of course, is because it has been so turbulent, that options premiums, once again, are relatively elevated. So I was looking at a call diagonal very similar to the structure that Tony originally proposed when he came up with that love trade originally. I was looking at the December 23 calls and then selling the September 25 calls against it. Earlier today when I was looking at this, that diagonal spread would cost about $1.55. The idea here is that those shorter dated options are likely to expire worthless and certainly worth less than the 23s in the event that it rallies. But of course, by risking $1.55, you're risking less than simply going out and buying the Jets ETF outright. But you will notice that at $1.55, this diagonal spread still is a relatively high percentage of the current share price. And that just reflects the volatility that we've seen in the space. Yeah, it certainly has there. Kind of a narrow trade there. Tony, your take on that as far as the balance of potential profit versus potential loss, risk reward. What do you think? Yeah, I like this call diagonal because you're spending less than the distance between the two widths, uh, between the two strike prices. So if you do see Jets rally substantially faster between now and, and the short dated expiration date, uh, than we were expecting, you don't see a loss here to the upside. And that's really some of the challenges that you have when you're trading diagonals is if it exceeds your, your upper uh, strike, uh, or I'm sorry, your short strike on the, uh, in this particular case, the September options. Carter, you have a thought on that trade? Well, I don't, actually. I, I, uh, I'm going to leave it to the experts. I love that. Most powerful word. No, I, I don't know. Love it. Carter Worth, Mr. Honest. All right, up next, you tweet. I would say we answer, but I'm not going to answer. They answer. That's next.
All right, welcome back to Options Action, everybody. It is time now to take some of your tweets. And our first viewer asks, with Disney earnings next week, I believe the stock will not move on the news and call news and want to sell the 182.50 August call by the 182.50 August 20 for a third of a share. Complicated trade a little bit here, Tony. What do you think? Yeah, so we do trade diagonals here quite often. Uh, I'm sorry, calendars here quite often. But uh, one thing I will say is that these types of call uh, call calendars like this have a very strong risk to reward. You're risking about $50 to try to make about a a little over $200. So that sounds like a very strong risk to reward. But you're really threading the needle here. The stock has to effectively close at exactly 182.5 by next Friday in order for that to happen. So uh, relatively low probability but very high payoff strategy. So if you think that the stock will end up at exactly 182.5, Interesting strategy to take. Okay. Our next viewer asked, when should you use a straddle? Mike, you want to take that? Kind of a general options question. Sure. So just for anybody who doesn't know, when you're trading a straddle, you are choosing a call and a put of the same strike and expiration. Now, the interesting and exciting thing about having a trade like that is it can be profitable if the stock rises or if the stock falls. The downside is it has to rise or fall by at least as much as you spent on the straddle. So if you pay 6% of the share price for a straddle, then the stock has to move more than 6% in either direction. And one of the reasons we don't recommend the trade that often is because we would favor, if you can, choosing a direction on your bets, and that reduces the cost of the trade. The other thing you can do, though, if you find a situation where you think a stock is likely going to move more than the options market is implying that it will, is if it does get a move before expiration, consider hedging. You can do that either with the stock or by adjusting your options positions. But generally, you trade long straddles when you think the stock is going to be very, very volatile. All right. Our next viewer asked this about AMD, advanced micro devices. What do you think since the pullback? Do you think that AMD can Carter continue to trend up? So this is uh, literally a perfect technical uh, setup in the sense that we know AMD was range bound between 70 to 100 for basically a year. And the day before earnings trading at 91 bucks and after earnings prints 122. That's a 36 percent move. Very few stocks did so well after their earnings. So this pullback is it a bad thing or is it simply a reaction to the move from 91 to 22? We pull back to 110 here. I think you buy the pullback. Carter, thank you. Appreciate that. Well, that does it for us here on Options Action. We will, of course, be back next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. But do not go anywhere. A special bonus edition of Fast Money is next. You won't want to miss it. We'll see you then. Saturday, CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 930 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC.